0: Welcome to Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris, where we talk about relevant issues as it relates to individuals in grief as they navigate finances and the advisors who help them. We help clients in grief navigate financial matters. We also teach advisors how to emotionally and financially work with clients in grief through an unparalleled process. This week's episode is sponsored by Life After Grief Financial Planning and Life After Grief Consulting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris. On today's episode, I have a superstar, and it's a guy I go some years back with. His name is Mike Jackson. He's got a famous name, and uh, Mike is a very successful realtor in the Orlando, Florida area. I asked Mike to join me on the podcast, not necessarily to talk about his career success, but his journey, what led him to this point in his life. Mike has also taken the position to bring others along with him through his progression as a certified mentor. Mike is a God-fearing man who is extremely driven by making his family his top priority in life. I'll let Mike tell you how we met. Mike is formerly part of the power team at EXP Realty. Mike has also a YouTube channel, and he just disclosed to me that he does a podcast. Uh, He's a huge 49ers fan, huge San Francisco 49ers fan. Mike and I share similar paths and that of career crossroads, as well as struggles with racism and discrimination, which may come up in this podcast. Mike, man, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. I'm humbled. And, you know, we had a a really, really good conversation last week. And um, I appreciate that. And, you know, bringing some brothers together and hopefully bringing some folks along with us. Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself, and I want you to be very specific to what led you to take a leap of faith to leave a steady job to become a realtor.
1: Oh, man, and thanks first and foremost, Chris, for having me, man, and uh, I appreciate this opportunity. So yeah, so going into some specifics about my journey and what led me to depart from my full-time corporate American job into real estate, uh, simple. I, I felt like I couldn't get the time back. You know, there were a lot of key moments uh, that I missed out on with kids. Like, for example, basic little things that most stay at home parents might take for granted, like taking their kid to school and picking them up. Uh, The moment hit me on March 9th, my first day out of corporate America after being in a corporate America job since I was 20 years old. Different jobs, mind you. And my daughter said to me, Dad, this is the best day of school I ever had. And I said, why is that? And she said, because it's the first time my dad ever took me to school. And I'm going to tell you guys something, that moment was worth every bit of my two weeks notice in departing because I realized from kindergarten to fifth grade, I have never taken her to school, you know, on a routine basis or rarely. So the fact that I'm able to do that now was very encouraging. And that time, although it's a short time, a, a 10 minute window just to take her from my home to her school, it's to, it starts from her getting up saying good morning, me fixing her breakfast, riding in the car, listening to songs that she likes and having that bond time, that adds up. And if you think about it from kindergarten to fifth grade, that's a lot of hours that I missed, not only taking her to school, but also picking her up. So now I have that flexibility of freedom. And my time now is spent around my my daughter on an intimate level that I didn't have from kindergarten to fifth grade.
0: Very humbling, very humbling um, experience. And we share that journey and I'll share another story. I may have shared this with you. Um, When I, you know, officially resigned uh, from, you know, my job at uh, my last bank that I worked at, I was supposed to be in St. Augustine, which is about an hour and a half or so from, you know, where I live. And my wife was working at the hospital. You know, when she's at the hospital, she can't take phone calls and she can rarely, you know, communicate outside of the walls of the hospital. I was here in my office and uh, my son's school called and they said, your son is sick and he needs to be picked up. And I was in my, again, I was in my office, which was about 10 minutes away from my son's school. I was able to drop everything and go pick him up and bring him home. If I had still been in my job at the prior bank I would have been an hour and a half away, and I would have been stressed to figure out how I'm going to get him picked up. I would have had to call some friends or family, but it wouldn't have been dad uh, picking him up. So there's a difference there, and that was the risk you and I have taken uh, to you know, put our families first. And I really respect you. I really, really respect you for doing that. And I'm going to um, jump out on a, a little bit of a limb here um, that I don't talk about this in you know, a lot of the podcast. But I'm dealing with another brother right here. And so it's extremely important for us to be in our kids' lives. And because there are a lot of things that we go through as black men that the rest of the world doesn't. And we also have to arm our children with a certain education on how to deal with the world a certain way. Good, bad, or indifferent. That's the way, you know, things have come kind of full circle. And we don't complain about it. We just kind of go about our business but the thing that Mike and I have realized is that we need to be in our children's lives as much as possible because there is no guarantee for tomorrow. And we had a strong conversation about that last week. So don't take me away from, you know, what you're talking about, Mike. Continue on. Preach on, please.
1: No, no, brother. You're you're absolutely correct. And uh, just to kind of compliment and to add on to our conversation that we had last week, you know, we we mentioned a lot about specifically kids coming up in, in this country with some things that the public might not be aware of. And, um, and it's saying this in a humble manner. This is not saying this in a manner of attack. This is not saying this in a manner of, you know, to belittle anyone. We believe at the end of the day that if you have a righteous heart, that's ultimately what matters. But there is an element that kids of color, we have to, as, as fathers, prepare our kids a little bit of a different game plan. And what I mean by that is simple. If a kid is approached in society by someone who has a minuscule view of a community of people based upon whether it be the news or their lack of exposure, which is often the case, or even simply just lack of intelligence and how to approach someone and they have negative perceptions with limited interaction, we have to know how to be able to respond to that differently than the average person. So I could just use myself an example. I was telling Chris last week when we met, I moved from to, to the States from Germany, and I also lived in South Korea. And my parents in the military, so I had a different upbringing experience than a lot of my peers. Most of the people I know have never lived outside of the USA, let alone their own state. So when I came to the USA permanently at 14 years old, I encountered a situation where fortunately I was groomed. My dad prepared me for it. And I understood how to articulate myself to where I'm able to use my rights to be able to um, you know, go about my day. But the average person might not be in that situation. And even if I'm articulate, it doesn't guarantee that that officer in this situation is going to act accordingly to their rules. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people that are not trained in discipline. There are a lot of good police officers out there, but there are also some that are just not trained. And like any profession, if you're not trained, Very well, you're not going to produce very well. So, for some of the untrained and undisciplined officers out there, you have to be prepared to deal with that element. And that's something that is a reality for kids of color. So, I have to tell my son, hey, make sure you act this way or do this accordingly, know within your rights, and things like that. So, coming from abroad and also coming from a business background, I admit, I still have that element to deal with to this day, even as a real estate entrepreneur. If I go door knock at someone's house just to promote myself, for example, in the back of my mind, I think about safety. And granted, some of you might say, well, we do too. We're strangers. But I understand that there's an element that by um, perception, and again, like I said before, by perception and lack of interaction, someone might not see me the same. And I something I have dealt with. So my reality might be hard to comprehend for some who don't have to deal with it. But there's a reason why I have to deal with it and many others. And we're not just saying this just to uh, say it. These these are real life examples. So I would ask for empathy for those who might not have that understanding. And if we talked about that in deeper context, i will be glad to. But on this show, I'm just kind of sticking with the narrative and topic that we present today.
0: And something that I also want to be clear about, too, that... I like to be very simplistic. And a lot of the things that Mike had just described, we carry baggage. And I like to say that we carry this baggage because of how we are somehow perceived in the world. That baggage, although Mike and I are both very educated, we have to go through steps in our mind to make sure that we are not Projecting the same stereotypes on other people because of how they were raised. So it's a methodical process to give everyone the equal ability um, to be present in our lives and just kind of at face value. But again, we've been presented in the world a different way. So that's just a matter of you know how we have to go about things and arm our children differently. And someone asked me, you know, uh, probably a couple of years ago. Am I jaded because of you know what I've experienced? And I would say, you know what? Maybe as a youngster and I was going through some of those things, it may have jaded me at that point. But as I've gotten older, I'm a few years older than Mike, and it has honed my skill set tremendously. And it's made me work harder, it's made me work smarter, and it's made me take calculated risk in life, just like Mike has done to be on my own so i can spend as much time with my kids as possible. And there were certain things, you know, in the corporate world that kind of got me to this point uh as well. And it had to do with, you know, things that i experienced regarding, you know, racism and discrimination. Good bad or indifferent it happened, and i wanted to eliminate as much as possible of that kind of interaction and i wanted to be able to spend as much time, you know, with my kids. And like mike, my father was you know, he was actually here in Florida when I was a kid. And so I didn't really get to know my dad until I was probably six, seven. I mean, I would see him fly in, but it wasn't that time. And as I got to be an older child and you know, on into my adolescence, my father was there for me. And that made a huge difference in how I turned out and how I treat people and how I treat ladies, how I treat my wife, because he was there to say, you got to do this or you can't do that. I remember one time I raised my voice at my mother and my father, he pulled me by the arm and he said, if you do anything to your mother, imagine what I am going to do to you. And my father was a big man. And so I and he's like, you don't hit your mom. You don't hit women. You don't raise your voice at your mom. And she's your mother. She can spank you. She can raise her voice at you. That's okay, But you cannot retaliate. And I took it and I said, okay, you're you know, you're the head dog here. So um, she would yell at me and I would just say, yes, ma'am. And I would kind of follow his lead. And, you know, that transpired into when I was an adult how I treated women. And so it came from the house. It, you know, my father never raised his voice at my mom and my father never laid a hand on my mom. And so that's how I was brought up. And that's how I grew up and, you know, respecting people. So, um, and that's kind of what we're talking about being present, um, you know, as fathers and, you know, uh, our kids lives. So, Appreciate you, Mike. I want you to tell our listeners how we met. I want you to describe it (laughs) because I get a kick out of this.
1: (laughs) Uh, No problem. So uh, you guys, this is this is funny. So uh, I play basketball. Chris play basketball and we were at L.A. Fitness Gym. We used to see each other pretty often prior to that. So one day Chris came to me. He's like, he's guarding me, said, hey, man, I got you today. I've studied your game. <laughs> and I've never had anyone in my basketball career tell me they studied my game. And I actually thought about it when I went home. And I said, you know what? I, I like that. I kind of like that. He said he studied my game. And he was a very good defender, man. He obviously studied it because he knew some of the things that I was going to do. So I said, man, it made me kind of think about the mental aspect of it. And what's funny is that event correlates with kind of what we're talking about today, studying the game. We have to understand that I don't want to say life is a game because that could be open to interpretation. But when I say it from this context, okay, context is clear, guys. When I say it in this context, as far as studying the game, that's sim- to simplify it in terms, we have to understand, you know, what the narrative and our purpose is. So as men, as fathers, for example, and also stepping out on faith, and pursuing business opportunities that are out there, we have to control our narrative. Sometimes I feel like we don't study ourselves enough, but we study what's thrown at us in society and there are narratives and pre-planned destinations for us. And and just to kind of clear, I'll give you an example and I'll turn it back to Chris here. When we are kids and we're brought up in school, we were told about getting a college degree and working at a job to make ends meet. But how many of us were pushed to think about being entrepreneurs and work for ourselves in high school, in middle school, in elementary school? Those are things that I can't speak for everyone, but the vast majority of people I know, they weren't really introduced to entrepreneurship. They were introduced to the typical college route. Now, back then, that was a goal because our parents, many of our parents didn't have a lot of resources to pursue those things. But now, as we gotten older, technology changed, jobs changed. Expectations change. So the old way of doing things was not as advantage to you know our generation. And that applies to generations that are coming after us. They growing up with YouTube. I didn't. So there's a different mindset as an example. So in a short summary, we met when Chris said, Hey, I'm gonna study your game, and he, he came out there and defended me with his all. And at that moment, I said, Hey, this is the kind of guy I would want to surround myself, somebody who studies me and not only studies me, but can critique some things and also be a good brother to help give some positive insight. And that's how we're connected to this day from a meeting in L.A. Fitness saying, hey, I studied your game and competed <laughs> against each other. Now we're united on a podcast and we're studying the game of life to help give back to the people around our spears. See how that works? And that was over a decade ago. And I I joke with Chris all the time when I first see him and say, hey, man, I studied your game. You know, so that's where (laughs) that comes from when I say that to him. So that's how we met.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of mentorship. So one of the things that I really like about you is that you give back. You're a certified mentor. Mm -hmm. And I really respect that because you and I share that I mentor folks, whether it's um, in business and or life. And it's not because I'm anything great. It's because there have been laid high expectations of me. And so I don't have a choice. I I mean, I I have to do it. And then, you know, I agree with an element of success. And when I define success, and as Mike also defines success, our, our success is not defined by money. Our success is defined by what we do for the next generation, specifically our family and our kids. So I want you to talk about your mentorship, what that means and anything you want to talk about that.
1: Sure. Absolutely. So um, I work at EXP Realty as a certified mentor and to become a mentor, you must have a minimum of eight transactions in real estate and they can be different variety. So once you obtain that goal, you're elevated to a mentor status. And my basic role now is to take on new mentees or even experienced mentees who are new to the company or might not have done three transactions in a year in real estate and show them and guide them on how they can make their real estate dreams come true. So I became a mentor because I also have 10 years plus in management experience in corporate America. So I felt like the skills that I obtained from corporate America was beneficial to me and I was able to transition that into the mentor program. And naturally, from my heart, I was raised on giving back anyway. So it's not something that I do because I have an established certification from EXP or it sounds good on the title. It's just coming from the heart. But because it's something I really am passionate and enjoy doing, um, I decided to make it one of my niches to go out here and say, hey, I'm going to give back because I was able to find success. Mind you, I did this while working a full-time job in 2020. So I was able to do eight transactions, obtain my mentor certification, and be a mentor to people. And I decided to step away from full-time corporate American job, transition as to a full-time mentor for EXP Realty. And it has gone tremendous things for me right now.
0: So I'm gonna share a story with you, Mike, that I didn't share mm-hmm. with you. But this has the, you know, it's gonna come full circle and it's gonna relate to basketball. So uh, this is probably, we're in 2022. So this is probably the year, yeah, it was 2020, excuse me, 2010. So it was 12 years ago. I was working for a previous bank and I was affiliated with the local uh, bar association, um, the legal bar association here in Orlando. And I had to do events and I had to network with them. And anybody that knew me at that time knew that I never carried cash in my wallet. I may have had a, a dollar or two in my wallet. I just never carried cash. I went to this event. I didn't really want to go to this event, but there was a gentleman there by the name of Pat Williams. And for those folks that aren't basketball uh, fanatics, Pat Williams was the gentleman that was instrumental in bringing the Orlando Magic and NBA team to Orlando uh, I believe it was in the late eighties, like 89, I think 89 magic rings a bell. It was, um, it was a number that you called, um, to get information on the Orlando magic. So, um, he was there and, um, that was a bonus for me cause I knew who he was and he was selling books. He's a writer. So he was selling a book and it's called how to be like Mike. And my parents had passed away by that point And I was struggling to find a mentor. And this directly relates to what Mike is talking about. I'd gone through another gentleman who I thought would have been a great mentor for me, but he had infidelity issues. And that was a, um, that was a deal breaker for me, 100%. Um, and so I looked at the book, and I don't remember how much Pat was selling it for. And I walked out, and I was like, ah, I'm, you know, I'm not going to give this guy money to you know, just to help you, know, you know, line his pockets. So I left. And again, this was me being presumptuous, completely presumptuous. Pat is definitely not that way. And so I left and I looked in my wallet and I was like, you know what? I have enough money to buy this book. And so I go back in, I go and I you know, give Pat the money. So I I start reading this book. And and again, at that point, I wasn't an avid reader. Things changed after I got his book. The advice that he gave me in that book... to this day makes the hair stand up on my arms because it was word for word the advice my dad used to give me. And I was reading the book and I'm like, man, did my dad know this guy or what? I mean, they, and they, they were basically about the same age. And, um, I was like, this is crazy. So I said to my wife, because again, I was struggling because I didn't have any, uh, a mentor, um, that was like my dad, uh, cause he had passed away. So I said to my wife, I said, "Amory, I'm going to write. I'm going to write this guy a letter, and I'm going to tell him about my experience in life. You know, he's a world famous guy; lots of people know him. I have no expectation that he's going to even read my letter, let alone write me back." So it was a like a Saturday. I sent him, um, and it was I mailed it to him. I mailed him this letter, and to his office here in Orlando. I think it was at the back of the book. They had something about the address for the office, and by Friday. I got a letter back from him and you know a series of other books in the mail and I was dumbfounded that this gentleman that is so well known so well respected took the time to agree cuz I asked him I said will you be my mentor to agree to be my mentor and mentorship for everybody means different things his mentorship for me was continuing to spur on my love of reading. And so he sent me books and Mike talked about corporate America. And so the one I just talked about was how to be like Mike. There's another book that I, that he had sent me and it's called bear Bryant on leadership. I'm going to give you these after we, you know, finish on the podcast, Mike, but Mm -hmm. men in leadership There are very specific dynamics for men in leadership that I had no idea about. And I'll give you a very specific example. And so a man in leadership, and it doesn't mean that he has to be this great leader. But because men are in leadership, it spurs on some um, women that do not have the best um, intent. And as a man in a leadership role, there are certain things that you have to do to protect yourself. Never thought about that was never in my wildest dreams. But after reading that book, things became very clear and I could see situations before they would happen or I would thwart off any situation because I didn't want anything to come between myself, my career, and my family. And so there were things that I did to protect myself. And that was because of mentorship and because of Pat Williams gave me information from the experiences in his life my father passed away, and so I didn't have that mentor, but Pat, um, because he took an interest in me and you know, gave me a series of books that he read based on his great wisdom, his great divine wisdom, and it's made me a better person, and I'm able to give back to other people. So Mike, that is exactly what you're doing for these other folks, and that's why I highly respect you, because you're paying it forward. You're giving back to other folks. So I didn't share that with you before. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. claim that Pat and I are great friends, but he was very, very instrumental for me at that time in my life. And he took a genuine interest and helped me out because he understood the dynamics of what I was going through. Um, and I really, yeah. really respect him you know, for doing that because he didn't have to. He, he didn't have mm-hmm. to write a letter. He didn't have to send me any more books. He could have just said, you know, you know, thanks for buying my book and, you know, on his way. So I'd like to share that story with you, my friend.
1: Man, I appreciate it. That's that's powerful, man. Um, and, you know, I happen to be a Magic fan as well. So I know who you were talking about right when you said the name. So, uh, yeah, that's that's an amazing, man. And and that just goes back to connection. When people connect, whether they meet at a gym or whether they meet somewhere else, you know, those are opportunities that shows the power of networking. And I hope on this, on this show that anyone listening is inspired to give back. I think a lot of times some people feel like, There's so much competition in the real estate community. I see it all the time. There's so many people that feel like other realtors are their competition. But if you think about it, there's really no competition but yourself. Um, Because the benefit of giving back is if you run your business correctly, you can give back. And then that person's fruits, you can actually benefit um, in helping them because they're going to recommend you. You can grow a business. People are going to want to join your team because you have a great culture. So helping others is actually a long-term investment that benefits you and you'll reap the rewards from that. But if you want to be selfish and think about competition, I'll leave you with this. In real estate, uh, everybody that you know, for example, if you're a real estate agent, you go look at your phone. If it's 100 contacts in your phone and let's say 50 of them you know very well, those 50 people are going to work with you no matter what because they know you. So you don't have competition. Your spear is your spear. It's simple as that. Um, If you operate under the mindset of competition because you don't know people, whatever, then again, your relationship with those people or your relationship. If they want to work with you, they'll work with you. Bottom line. So, and that applies to any field, not just real estate. Um, you know, if you're at a job and you're if you're in a corporate job and you're applying for a job and you have other applications going, once again, they're not even your competition. What's for you is what's for you. I could tell you, I can't count the number of times I've gotten declined for a job. Put it like this if you apply for jobs, you know what I'm talking about. You go on search engines, you will more likely get rejected and declined than you do accept it everybody's not going to accept you. So um, that doesn't mean that that, that's a bad thing. Some of those jobs you didn't realize, they weren't for you. You might have colleagues or coworkers there that you might have not been a good fit to work with, and your life would have been really chaotic. So everything happens, I believe, for a reason. As long as you put in the work uh, to your goals, you'll be fine. So that's a powerful story, Chris, that you shared. Thanks, man.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. And to that point in regards to applying for jobs, What I have found, if you have a righteous heart and you do things the right way, people will come after you.
1: Mm, And that is
0: very, very powerful. People want to surround, you know, people of high integrity. And that's Mm -hmm. what I have found. I can say this without directly asking Mike, but he surrounds himself with people of high integrity. And I do that as well. I've talked on a previous podcast that I have eliminated folks over the years from my life that bring... You know, nothing but drama. And I like to have a drama free life. And um, I don't like to, you know, surround myself with folks that aren't going to bring positive energy and, you know, uplift me. And so if someone is trying to be in my life that, you know, has any um, negative things, they're not going to be in my life. Um, I've been through too many things and experienced too many things to, you know, let anything kind of cloud that. And so I, you know, I can say that uh, Mike does the same thing. So hence he's, you know, here on the podcast. So Mike, appreciate you being on the podcast, brother. Anything you want to leave with?
1: Hey, man, first and foremost, once again, thank you so much for having me on as a guest. And uh, hopefully I can come back on again. Your podcast show. Hey, guys, make sure you guys check my man Chris out, man. Or else he's going to study your game. You got it. So uh, (laughs) make sure you guys check him out. This brother is very inspirational, very positive. Um, and I, I I highly recommend it. I stand behind his show, and uh, make sure you guys tell all your friends about it. You know, you guys can. I I'm sitting here on the show, and I'm I'm listening to him, and I'm learning things as he speaks. So uh, this is great. You know, you you guys see so much negativity in the world, but on this show, there's a lot of positive, nurturing vibes here. So it's not the norm when you turn on any type of social media platform. So make sure you guys check this show out on a consistent weekly basis. My man's doing big things.
0: I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to plug your YouTube channel, your website, and anything else you want to plug professionally. Please do so.
1: Sure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So um, if you guys are able to have a Pen paper, write it down. If not, text it to yourself. So my business page is Mike, M-I-K-E, and then the letter P as in property, MikePJackson.com. That's my business page. My YouTube channel is Mike, and then it's all spaced out. So Mike, then space, sales, which is S-E-L-L-S, space, Orlando. And in those spaces, there's no underscore. So Mike, sales, Orlando, business page, MikePJackson.com. And I'm there.
0: And what I'll do also, Mike, is I will put this information along with the description on the podcast. So Mike's a great dude. And I was thinking about him and I asked him, you know, people, when I come in contact people, it hits me and I'm like, "Uh, I want to put this person on my podcast and I want to rap with this person. So, you know, Mike and I had a conversation last week and it just hit me and I thought that it would be a great addition because I had no expectation, you know, from our um breakfast that, you know, he would be on the podcast. I was just, you know, wanting to surround myself with someone that was like-minded. That was kind of why I wanted to, you know, have breakfast with him, but it kind of turned into this. So Mike, thanks. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. You're doing, you know, wonderful things and I'm very proud of you.
1: Likewise, brother. Thank you.
0: And for all of our listeners, appreciate you listening and uh we'll be back. I believe Mike you are going to wrap up my season here. And so this will air in a few weeks, but I think you are going to be the, the last uh, part of the season, you know, for season two of the podcast. And um, I'll have some more details on that. And thanks for listening. And feel free to pass this podcast or any others on to any friends, family members, or colleagues. <music> Please note that we are officially going to be taking a break. This is the end of season two. It's hard to believe that uh, I've done uh, now two seasons of recording. Very appreciative of anyone and everyone that has listened. And we will be back after the July 4th holiday. Please be sure to subscribe to know when season three officially begins if my math is correct we are going to come back in to season three on wednesday july 13th cheers and be well